0: Welcome, this is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros master of banter, Blummer.
1: Here we go. Bleachers are open. Uh, Good times ahead for those of you tuning in. And what I mean by tuning in is that our social Nostra network is going off. We are well over 10,000 subscribers and apparently due to our viewers out there, we are getting 3,500 viewers on our YouTube channel of the show. So my gosh, quick golf clap to those at home who are tuning in and putting us on the big screen. As I know it's much more enhanced that way. But we are grateful to be on the Social Nosure Network on YouTube. Remember, you can go to BleacherBlums.com and find us on YouTube, or you can find our podcast, which is everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify, iHeartRadio, and uh, everything's going pretty consistent. We're greatly appreciative of that. And uh, uh, the bleachers are starting to fill back up. We've got uh, more information about baseball. I am back from vacation, as you can see, back in my... Uh, my, my Self-confidence room, I guess we'll call it today, where I can boost myself a little bit. But uh, Tuttle, man, it is good to see you. How have you been over the last week? Is everything good in the Tuttle household?
0: Everything is good. I appreciate you asking. It's nice to have you back in uh, in Houston. There, safe and sound. I, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a little, I don't know. I, I guess apprehensive is the word. I, I kept thinking we were coming out of this thing and. I, I think as most of the listeners know, I'm not a big like news guy and I don't get up every day and read the newspaper and follow, you know, I'm not a big news guy and I don't <laughs> like to be smart. And I know I, uh, I, you know, I kind of react to things as I see them. And, you know, we're just I, I just see the hospitalizations. Or I hear about that going up and, you know, they talk about you know, Houston, especially, sorry, Houston, that they, you know, they might've opened up too soon. They've just shut down all the beaches in California, pretty much. So LA for July 4th weekend too. I I know, but the reason they did it is actually smart. It's not because they don't want to have fireworks. It's because we've all been cooped up. And you know, if they say, okay, let's keep social. I mean, if they open up the beaches, guess what? They're opening up themselves for liability, which we've continually talked about liability, for professional sports organizations, liability for companies, liability for all these folks. Well, guess what? If Laguna Beach opens up the beach and all these crazy people have nowhere else to go, no bars, Mm -hmm. no restaurants, no, you know, the neighbors are still social distancing. Guess where everyone's going to go? To the beach and they'll be Mm -hmm. on top of each other. So, um, yeah, so I'm, you know, it's kind of a weird I don't know, most things in life, like you know this too, you work hard at something, you set a goal and you're like, all right, you just kind of work work your way there and you know, eventually you achieve that goal or you reach the destination and there's some resolution. I kind of felt like maybe a month, you know, to 6 weeks ago, we were kind of heading towards a resolution. We were having these, you know, you. phase phase 1, phase 2, phase 3 and uh, I think we're either yeah, we've regressed a little bit or we've slammed on the brakes. So I guess personally the family's great, but um, but it's it's a little unusual still. The surrealism, or if that's even a word, the yeah. surreal aspect is, it uh, is is just you know it's just kind of hovering.
1: Yeah, no, it's surreal. I feel like masks are. It's just it, we live in a mask world. You mm-hmm. know, I have I, everybody in uh, downtown Houston or Harris County down here it is mandatory mask. Uh, out here in Fort Bend County where I live, we are just. I just wear a mask. I have. I have two masks in my car. I have one waiting on the, the you know, the entry table that I put my keys on. We, it's just a mask thing. And I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the you know solution with so many things that are going on these days. So it's a, bit, a little bit better to be proactive. Uh, you know, this is going to be a great podcast for us. It gives us a chance to vent uh, a little bit about the COVID issue. It gives us a chance to vent about major league baseball. And speaking of, You know, St. Arnold brings you what's on tap, and what we've got on tap is a very special episode of Bleacher Blumps because I'm going to bring in Brian McTaggart for us to interview and talk a little bit about Astros roster issues, what to expect this season. Tuttle has some questions about the COVID-19 crisis and baseball. Uh, We're going to, you know, Brian McTaggart is a native Houstonian. We're going to get into some of the Houston and west coast issues that are out there so that'll be a lot of fun and then we are going to finish this podcast off after we get done talking to Brian McTaggart here real quick is that we're going to have what'll say and a little bit of bleacher blums but there's one thing I want to start this podcast off before I get to uh to get to Brian McTaggart is it is Wednesday it is July 1st so happy July but
0: Uh, today written down (laughs) what's that I haven't so written know where down. We're going to. Yeah, yeah. It, yep. Apple doesn't have it as a pre, uh, pre, uh, a pre, pre uh, predicted holiday, but it's yes. there. Yeah, I know where Here. you're going. Go for Today it.
1: Today <laughs> is Bobby Bonilla Day. That's he right. gets 1.19 million dollars until the year 2035, I believe, and I'm not sure. He he finished playing in 1999, I think. But I'm not sure how he did this, but it was absolutely just pure genius. I'm not. I mean, 2035 at 1999. I don't know if I could have predicted I'd be alive in 2035, but somebody's going to get that 1.19. And today, just like every day until 2035, he will get 1.19 million dollars. He hasn't been furloughed. He hasn't been released. He hasn't been in the MLB agreement. He gets the cash.
0: You know. It's so great to think about Bobby Bonilla day. There's a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to start using that as the marker for our podcast. So I think over November, December, we were like, Hey, know, well, we've been doing this podcast for a year. Yeah. I mean, this is our second Bobby Bonilla day. Like, Hey, the, the bleacher blums podcast has been around for two Bobby Bonilla days. So it's a great we're way just, of looking at it. That's yeah, a measure so, ne- of time. Yeah. so next year, hopefully we're going to make it to happy uh, Bobby Bonilla day uh, for year three. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I said this when we talked about it last time on Bobby Bonilla day, which was exactly 12 months ago that, um, I don't know if he could even, even foreseen the genius, his agent or the right. negotiated contract. I don't think it's something where he was like, Oh, this is the greatest contract that's ever been done. But I, I asked you, I believe that I thought more agents and definitely more players should think about money deferment. I read a really interesting article, um, about these Stanford graduates. And I should remember the name of the company. I don't know if you saw it where they're pooling money, basically creating hedge funds or uh, like a money market fund for baseball players. Oh, wow. So they find guys that with decent si- signing bonuses and they pool their money. It's like a little investment fund and if two guys make it and four guys don't, I think they cap it at like six to eight guys, depending on your risk, then everybody shares the money as it grows and accrues. But basically, when you have access to this money, put it in a fund. I'm like, only Stanford guys could think of that. Um, I'm, I'll share the article with you. I didn't finish reading it. I, I read it last night and I meant to bring that up, but it's very appropriate around this uh yeah, good for moment- them to thinking of that. That's this great. momentous occasion of Bobby Bonilla Day. Mm-hmm. But the deferred money, I mean, it, people, we want immediate gratification. But we continue to talk about how baseball players have this small window of earning. And they get, you know, pretty large sums of money, which always freaks the, you know, the GP out, the general public. But honestly, if you could pull your money or take a share and put it towards your kid's college fund or, you know, yeah. things hey. that things that smart people have done you know, it takes a lot of worry away. And I think Bobby Bonilla has probably lived a fairly charmed life and every day on July or every year on July 1st, you know, it's, uh, it's just another reminder of uh, what a, what a charmed life he's living. I I have a question about Bobby Bo. I'm wondering if he still talks to Barry Bonds. I mean, Barry Bonds was kind of an ornery guy. I just, they were, they were a, a, you know, formidable pair there in Pittsburgh for a couple of years. I I wonder if they're buddies.
1: You know what? That's that's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that if you even know this, or if too many people know this, but Bobby Bonilla is still is active in baseball. He works for the uh, Players Association. Um, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what his title is or what his role is. But uh, knowing the people that I do within the uh, Players Association, when I do see them around the ballpark, I will occasionally see Bobby Bonilla floating around and oh, cool. uh, get a chance to talk to him. But uh, I would imagine being a part of the union, even though Barry had his issues with the Players Association, which is a whole other podcast, mm-hmm. um, you know, still talks. I would imagine he still talks to him because yeah, yeah. it feels like Barry is even trying to work back into the good graces of everybody in baseball for obvious reasons, the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Bobby Bo is good people, man. And oh, I don't okay. know how he was to his teammates, but the, the guy he's been to me and the way I've seen him interact with other people he's a good dude man
0: yeah I heard he's a really personable guy and I wasn't asking I was just more asking as a Giants fan I guess because they kind of yeah. they went their separate ways but I, I actually I think you might have mentioned it last year now that it, I it rings a memory or uh, rings a bell that you said Bobby Bo's still around the game and it's funny because I thought he would just be golfing every single day but maybe he does a lot of that too
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure he does And uh, getting back to baseball a little bit after we, uh, you know, celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day, we are going to bring in Brian McTaggart, the beat writer for MLB.com. And more often on Astros.com is where you see some of his work. So we're going to bring in Brian real quick and talk to him about some Major League Baseball and some Astros. And here we are in the bleachers. We have an extra body in here. If you haven't noticed already, it is Brian McTaggart. Now a little bit about Brian McTaggart because we are good friends. We're also co workers because he writes for MLB.com. But he is a Houston native grew up watching the Astros. Now he gets to cover the Astros. And I get on him all the time about this because I only got to spend three years playing for the San Diego Padres, which was in my hometown but you have been able to live your entire life, keep your family here and watch your kids grow up while covering one of your favorite teams. Just give me an idea real quick. I know I ask you this all the time. What does it meant to you to be in Houston and cover the Astros like you have for a sport you love and a city you love?
2: Yeah, I'm very lucky in this, in this business, um, in journalism and in any, especially in sports. I mean, it's a nomadic business. You have to go to where the jobs are and, you know, I have friends uh, work all over the country and, you know, I've, I've lived in the area my whole life. I mean, I, I worked at the Houston Post, the Houston Chronicle. I worked at the University of Houston. Um, I mean, I haven't, I haven't had to venture out. I mean, I've been very fortunate. Yeah. And to cover the Astros. I mean, they're a team that, you know, I started going to games in the late 70s with my dad, 77, 78. And uh, you know, in 2004, I got a chance to start covering the Astros on on a daily basis. And uh, yeah, I've been I've been very fortunate. And uh, you know, hopefully, I can tough it out for what 10, 15 more years, and uh, and have my whole career in uh, one city. So it's uh, it's unusual, but yeah, it's it's been very it's been I've been very lucky.
1: Yeah, and so of the Astro fans being able to follow you on Astros.com with all the great articles that you do write. And I want to just go ahead and dig into this 2020 season because we have gotten. Some updates and some confirmation on some of the rules and some of the uh, you know, regulations and logistics that are going to be happening around the league. But at first, I just want to get a real quick uh, glimpse of that 60-man roster that we have. We know that it is going to be early on. It's going to be a 30-man roster that's able to play. And then after a couple of weeks, they're going to cut it down to 28, a couple more weeks down to 26. But the Astros and every other major league team are going to have the 40-man roster with them and a 20-person uh, taxi squad. We know about the mainstays on that 25 to 30-man roster, but are there any surprises that are on that 60-man summer camp roster that we're talking about that kind of stuck out to you a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was very curious about Forrest Whitley. Um, you know, I thought he probably would be on there, but, um, you know, it's obviously he's a guy that needs to take a step forward in some form or fashion. And, and I, when I talked to James Click, when the roster came out, he said, we put this roster together. These 60 guys are here or 50, however many, 55 guys, 56 guys are here to help us win. Um, but also think for Whitley, it's going to be a developmental, um, benefit for him to, to be around, uh, you know, a structured camp and, and sort of iron out whatever he needs to iron out, because I think the clock is ticking a little bit and he seems like he's constantly, uh, tinkering with his, uh, mechanics. So, um. The fact he was on there, I was not surprised, but certainly uh, I'll be interested to see his development. Um, and they have this hard-throwing kid that throws 100. It's going to be the closer of the future. Yeah. And I can't, I can't pronounce his name. Well, uh, Hansi <laughs> or, or something like that. But, I, you know, he's going to be in the, the the group that works out at the University of Houston. Um, and I'm very anxious to see this guy. I mean, last year he had his first year in in, dom- in domestic baseball and just piled up the strikeouts at a crazy rate. So – He's a guy that I think could be their, their closer of the future and, you know, a guy not a lot of people know about, but he's moving up. the. Uh, he's an older guy, too. He's like 24. So he, it's, uh, it's not like you're going to see him at the top of the prospect charts. But that's those are a couple of names that, that stuck out to me. But those guys are going to be working out at, at U of H and we're not really going to get a chance to see them.
1: Yeah, I know it's going to be unique, especially for us, or you're bouncing back and forth in between UH and Minute Maid Park where these summer camps are being held for the Houston Astros. And I agree with you in the Forrest Whitley sense that uh, there's a guy who has obviously the talent, has had the prospect status uh, you know, labeled to him, but we really haven't seen that development. And one of the interesting things is hopefully being around – uh, after summer camp is over and these guys start to travel and you're able to be around some of these veteran guys and be around Brent Strom a little bit more, it's going to have an effect on some of these young arms. And it also helps having guys like Granke in the rotation and being around guys like Justin Verlander. And I want to hit on a couple guys that were injured when spring training was stopped because of the COVID-19 crisis. And Justin Verlander was a guy who uh, missed a start with a lat issue and then eventually had groin surgery. Uh, give me an update on him, and then I'm going to ask you about Jordan Alvarez also. So first, Justin Verlander.
2: Yeah, he had the surgery in mid-March, so he was supposed to be out, I think, eight weeks. So obviously, we've, we've flown by that. He posted a video, I think it was last week on Instagram, of throwing off the mound. Yeah, that's mouth, how we so. cover
1: guys now, right? I know, right, yeah. <laughs>
2: I haven't, had, haven't had a chance to talk to him yet, but I mean, he looks like to me that, you know, he should be ready to go, especially we have another you know, a few weeks before the season starts. So, but, you know, that's going to be a silver lining, I think, to have him not only ready and healthy to pitch, but also, you know, you can kind of run him out there. And same with Zach Granke, too, two guys who threw a lot of innings last year. Now you can run them out there in the regular season. And, and you we know Dusty likes to ride his pitchers a little bit, too. So you can let them, uh, once they get built up, go six, seven, eight innings if they want. And uh, but I, I, you know, I certainly think that that Verlander is is going to be healthy and ready. I mean, I haven't heard anything that there's been any setbacks, and he was posting videos of throwing off the mound, so that's a good sign.
1: Yeah, it is a good sign. The one guy I haven't been able to get uh, any information on is Jordan Alvarez, and I'm hoping that your sources within were able to dig a little bit and and answer some questions, because I was concerned about a guy his age having knee injuries or knee issues this early in his career. But with these couple months off, hopefully he's become a little bit stronger. Have you heard anything about Jordan?
2: No, I haven't really. Sorry, my sources didn't come through on that. I mean, it's we were been under the radar. Whole, yeah, we haven't had a, a whole lot of uh, you know uh, conversations with Dusty Baker, but I'm with you. A 22 year old guy with knee problems is is not ideal. But he also showed up at spring training after having a few months off as well. So uh, you know you know maybe this extra three months will uh, you know do the trick. For him. I think he only got maybe uh, into three or four games before they shut it yeah. down in spring training. But that was definitely a concern. I think right when camp ended, where his knees were becoming a bigger and bigger concern, so that's going to be one of the big storylines when when camp opens. Is, is what's he able to do out there?
1: All right, that's the Astros. I want to talk a little bit more broadly about Major League Baseball and some of the rules, and bring in my co-host David Tuttle because my first question is something that I'm even trying to figure out with some of the information that I'm reading with uh, the articles that are on MLB.com but it seems like a fluid situation with the opt-out clause because of the COVID situation and guys who are at uh, high risk as far as health is concerned. As far as we can, up to date to this moment, what are the options for players? Because there have been four guys that have opted out of playing in the 2020 season. How does that affect them as far as pay and, t- and service time? And how, is it up to the clubs or is it a Major League Baseball uh, rule?
2: Yeah, well, there's a couple of different ways you can look at that. If players are at high risk, and they opt out, they they get their full salary, they get service time. And so that's, you know, that's not an issue. And I guess, you know, high risk has to do with uh, heart disease, lung disease, uh, blood pressure, diabetes, things like that. I mean, I know this is a a respiratory illness, but it's also, you know, had a a negative effect on, on people with other ailments. Now, they can also opt out if they have a high risk family member or someone in their inner circle that is is high risk, but then it's up to the teens to make a decision whether they receive salary or service time at that point so um, you know Ian Desmond laid out a case of you know why uh, why he opted out because of some of the people in his circle were high risk, and there were other reasons as well, but um, I got to think that. You know, if a player has a uh, someone in his family who's high risk, or someone someone the family's caring for is high risk, that uh, I might it might be dumb saying this, but I got to think that I got to think the team would take care of them financially if they if they choose yeah. to opt out. But but if they are, if they're deemed high risk and they opt out, yeah, absolutely, they get service time
0: and pay. Yeah, uh, Brian, thanks for sharing that and thanks for joining us today. I uh, I, I would agree with you, and I think that the uh, benefit of having um, I don't know, having the the medical professionals involved in this. Jeff and I have been saying this consistently, though, one of the challenges has been, um, you know, they've been doing this kind of collective bargaining agreement version of negotiating to get back on the field. And I feel like some of these issues are what they should have been discussing, you know, way back when, when we were getting closer to getting on the field. And that leads me to say, you know, what, what, is the risk here and should the sport be moving forward as quickly as it is to get on the field, even though it feels like an eternity for us, meaning with some of those risks. So we have these four players that opted out and they may be high risk, but we do know that, you know, some cities like Houston, especially that opened up before others are seeing hospitalizations and those things, um, uh, you know, increase. So what are your thoughts on actually getting back on the field anyway
2: yeah, I think it's very risky, and you know they've certainly laid out the detailed protocol in the in the manual they set out. I mean, there's uh, it's it's going to be uh, uh, a lot of hoops the players are going to have to jump through. Anybody on the staff even get in the ballpark, and then the travel is a whole different story. And we're going to have players test positive. I mean, I, I think it's only uh, you you have yeah. that many people traveling. You know what? How I many? however many players there are hundreds and hundreds, plus the extra players that are traveling now in the taxi squad, the, the three four extra players they can carry the staff someone's going to test positive and you just got to wonder how negatively or that's going to affect other, other players or other players going to decide to opt out at that point or coaches going to opt out. Um, you know, the Astros have an older coaching staff an old older manager with Dusty Baker. So those things um, have to be taken into consideration as well. But I think if they can pull it off, I, I I wouldn't say I'd be surprised, but I'd be impressed because they have a lot of hurdles to clear. I think even before they get this thing off the ground and, um, they're not in the bubble like the NDA. And so, yeah, you have to go – if you go on the road, you have to stay in your room and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it's going to be hard for to police that with every player staying in his room when, you know, there's a restaurant across the street they like or or whatever the case. So, um, it's, it's going to be a, a real challenge, I think, to keep everybody absolutely healthy.
1: Yeah, I agree, and you know, a lot of the talk has been about money. It's been about rules. It's been about logistics, and I think the underlying what we're all kind of agreeing on is that there is a great deal of risk the players are going through. So hopefully, they do adhere to these uh, these rules and regulations, and they can keep it as healthy as they possibly can. And that being said, you know, to what uh, Brian is saying is, you know, the media's access to these players is going to be very limited. I'm I'm hearing tier one, two, three. There's going to be varying levels of access to these guys. And I know for myself working in the booth, we are going to cover games at Minute Maid Park from the booth at Minute Maid Park. And when the team travels on the road, tentatively right now, we're going to be calling games from the studios at uh, AT AT&T Sportsnet SW. And it's very selfish of me just to think of myself because, Tags, your job is to cover this team on a day-to-day basis. But if Are you going to you're usually traveling, you're usually in the clubhouse, you're usually having access to these guys, because you need these, you you need the interviews to fill a lot of your content. Uh, Give me a not give everybody an idea of how you're going to handle this. Can you travel? Are you going to be allowed anywhere near these guys? How are you going to handle all
2: that? Yeah, you mentioned the tiers. There's going to be tier one, tier two, and tier three. The players are tier one and the coaches and the, and the field staff. Tier two, I believe, is sort of like media relations, other people who have to deal with the players. And then the media is tier three. So tier three will not have any contact with tier one. So pretty much, I mean, we're going to be limited to the press box and that's it. No clubhouse, no uh, field access. Um, Everything will be in the press box, assigned seating, social distancing, and all our interviews will be done via zoom. So for that reason, I'm not, I am not traveling just because it can be done from, from home. So not not at all, not at all. Unless things change or they, I don't know what will happen. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. And also, I mean, when we cover as a beat writer, when you cover a team on the road, that is, that is your most, um, beneficial time because you have more time in the clubhouse there are yep. fewer reporters there so you that's when you really get to know the players get to talk to the players more because it's really hard at home because um they're in and out of the clubhouse quicker they get on the field quicker there's three four times as many reporters so there, and the generally the home clubhouses have more places the players can hide than the road clubhouses so <laughs> yeah missing that road clubhouse time is, is uh is going to be difficult so you know, I think I'll, I'll be like you guys uh, when they're on the road. I'll be, uh, you know, doing some Zoom interviews and, and watching the game. But I was telling somebody today, just you watch it, you go to the game, and between innings, so much stuff could happen. There could be an injury. There could be, uh, you know, a, a position player switch. The manager could go out to talk to the umpire about something. So many things that you, you see with your naked eye, even yep. between innings, you can't see on the broadcast till later. And, you know, you're not going to get that when you're not at the ballpark. So.
1: I'm with you on that 100%. That's going to be the hardest part is all of the the, the ins and outs and uh, you know the little idiosyncrasies that are in between that actually help us tell the story.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, and that's the experience that you have and you bring to the table, the logistics, and they're really kind of cutting you off at the legs by saying, hey, look, you can't travel. I mean, rightfully so. We're in a crisis, but it's, it's going to be a, a challenge. And as you said, if you can't travel... I agree just being a former ball player, thinking about the road hotel, right? I go down to the lobby, get a cup of coffee. I might be reading the newspaper. If you're hanging out down there, having a cup of coffee, you can have a couple, you know, conversation if you're off the record or on the record, but you get a, you get some insight that you wouldn't gather sitting at home, like you said, doing the zoom call. And I think that's going to, you know, we're all going to be challenged. I'm going to ask a question that's kind of based on what I said before, because Blummer and I consistently talk about. Other sports, right? So you have the NFL that's still kind of dominating everything. And then the NBA, we talked about staying in their hotel room and being quarantined. The NHL and MLS even figured some of the stuff out prior to MLB. But ultimately, um, you know, Major League Baseball is still kind of, you know, America's pastime, but still trying to be there at the forefront. And I'm wondering again, just, in general for American sports with the way the uh, pandemic is going and how we've all become more technologically savvy and um, how it's going to challenge you in your job. What do you foresee baseball? I guess, I mean, I'm asking you to look in a crystal ball, like will baseball um, end up gaining some popularity if they're able to pull this off? Are they going to be, um, able to kind of regenerate or reinvigorate what's going on or is this just business as usual we're going to sit where we sit on the hierarchy and we're just going to try and you know finish out the season
2: well hopefully they'll gain some because i know a lot of the the comments i see on twitter especially during the negotiations the last few weeks a lot of fans are like that's it i'm done with baseball but we've heard this before the fans they always they always come back of course i mean i know attendance has been down the last few years but Um, I think the fans are going to come back and people are so desperate to watch anything right now. I mean, I've been watching Cornhole. Um, (laughs) It it was a live, it was a live uh, competition. I was, I was into it, but I think when the game comes back, people are going to tune in. Um, The games that start at nine o'clock, you know, people are staying up later and they're going to be all in and eager to watch those. So yeah, I I think at the end of the day, when football starts, football is going to be the King. I mean, that's just sort of the way it's turned in the last, uh, you know, 10 15 years but i think there is a really good appetite for baseball and i think people can't wait to see it again
0: i i would i would hope that you're right and i kind of agree with you i find myself watching a lot of soccer right now which i was never into before and even uh blummer mentioned he watched nascar he said he was watching it for the commentary and see how they were doing it but... <laughs> I you don't you want to call I, some
2: NASCAR races, Blummer. I was curious.
1: <laughs> hey, man, dude, the way things are going and the way this season was going, I was like, man, I need to start broadening my horizons, man. <laughs> Look at all these left turns these guys are making.
0: Right.
1: It's incredible.
0: <laughs> and then, I, I and Blummer has a question kind of related to this, but I wanted to kind of see how the season will shake out. Like, I've seen both sides of this, right? There's going to be a lot of parity because we have a shortened season, and then there's going to be no parity at all because we're, you know, we can, you know, turn our rotation <laughs> over and we can, you know, ride kind of the big players and the big payrolls into success. Do you have thoughts around that? Like, what are we going to see the cream rise to the top? Or are we going to see a little more parody here? And one of, of my favorite tweets that I saw was the San Diego Padres are in first place with 60 games to go. So I mean, <laughs>
2: there, There's yeah, well, a lot of that going on. I think, be, I think there will be a lot of parody. I think some teams are, are going to be in contention from the, they're in contention from day one. It may change the way they do things. Maybe they put their foot on the gas. You know, they have the August 31st trade deadline now. So you're going to have to decide uh, pretty quickly, whether you're in it or not. I mean, look, last year, we all know the Nationals got off to that terrible start would have missed the playoffs in the 60 game season. And they wanted Texas Rangers would have made the playoffs last year after 60 games. So, um, about that. yeah, so I, I think that's going to change the way some of these bubble teams um, sort of handle things. And maybe they put the foot on the gas a little bit and say, look, let's just really go for it here. And I think in the AOS there's a couple of those. I, mean, I think the Rangers could be a team that is going to be in contention just with, uh, you know, th- some of the additions they made on the pitching staff. That's Angels, true. I – yeah, Angels, I mean, look, Rendon and o- Otani's o- 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 back. Um, They're going to be a dangerous team. That's the thing. I mean, you get hot for a month, you're in this all the way to the end. Um, last year, Seattle started 13-2, and two, and I think after, what, 44, 45 games, they were still at 500. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, how would they approach the last, you know, few weeks of the season if they're in it? Are they going to make trades instead of getting rid of guys? So, I think um, – pretty much every team except maybe Baltimore and Detroit. Padres maybe, but heck, they might even be in it in the in the in that tough West division. Who knows? But yeah, I think I think everybody's gonna be in it. I think it's gonna be cool. Right. yeah
1: the the shortened season is going to be cool uh, there's uh rule changes the universal dh and uh the the extra innings with the runner at second base those are going to be different to get used to but i want to ask you one one last question or a couple of questions i don't want to say one last because that's always like a media guy's <laughs> nightmare is to say that and then have a follow-up but i'm going to have a couple more questions for you tags uh what stat statistical oddity are you looking forward to and i mean you know is somebody going to win the ERA title with a 0.5 ERA? Is somebody going to hit 400? Is there going to be a guy that hits 20 home run, 25 home runs in 60 games? What are you looking to anything uh, as far as a shortened season?
2: I was thinking yesterday, I was watching on TV and they were making some predictions about who's going to lead the home run race. And I I think they were coming up with somewhere around 19, 20 home runs. If 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 someone gets to 20 home runs, I think that would be impressive. But, what if someone does hit 400? I mean, how would how would history look, look back on that? I mean, it would be to hit 400 over 60 games is nothing to sneeze, see, no, uh, sneeze at, you. of course. Yeah, but there's going to be a butt effort, but it was only <laughs> it was only 60 games. So I, you know, Jose Altuve has hit uh, I think I think he said over 400 in a 60 game stretch a couple of times in his career, and wow. and he's, and he's a guy that you talk about health. Um, you know, resting, getting rested up back to where he needs to be. I mean, I think, and for other reasons, I think he's going to come out with a lot to prove this year. And um, boy, it'd be fun if they make a run, makes a run at it, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, no, Absolutely. And that's one of the guys I'm actually expecting to go out there and be on a tear because we have seen moments where he has gone on tears for months at a time, hitting it well over 400, especially if you take some of the road situations he's been in. But, uh, Tags, I want to thank you for your time. But before we go, there's a couple of things that, you know, people need to know about. We know you love beer. So do you have a favorite uh, St. Arnold beer that you like drinking?
2: St. Arnold. Uh, let's see. Um, is there pressures, uh, on. pressure's on the, uh, I'm, uh, it's the uh, lawnmower?
1: Yes, my man. The lawnmower like is one? a very good summer beer. And summer a lot beer. of people, you know, what the most frustrating thing for me, knowing that you're not going to travel and I'm not going to travel in the bar situation <laughs> is when is the next time or the next time we get a chance, people don't know that you are a huge karaoke singer and you do a phenomenal George Strait. Your first <laughs> song back from uh, a karaoke hiatus is going to be what?
2: Boy, that's a good one. Are you going to be there?
1: I, I, you better damn well believe it, man. I better be there.
2: <laughs> hey, I'll zoom. We'll zoom into <laughs> it. I'm in.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, I probably have to go with the greatest country song ever recorded by George Strait, which is, amarillo by morning you can't go wrong with that one so that, yeah. that, that that'd be a good way to kick it back off wouldn't it that is
1: outstanding i would look i would greatly look forward to that and i would be <laughs> in the front row with my lighter up singing with you boy um one last question before we go because you've got a couple of west coast guys and then we have you the native texan houstonian in and out
0: or Whataburger?
2: <laughs> Whataburger. come on by, man by by far what do you say david in and out
0: Oh, I'm in, I'm in and out. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we, but that's, I think Jeff knew that was a loaded question. And even if you, even if you liked in and out, Brian, you're, I mean, you got no shot. You're, you get. You got to go Whataburger just to defend your, uh, your home territory. On
2: this Yeah. Point. I mean, they've opened some in and outs here and they opened one in Dallas a couple of years ago. And I was like, I was like, I felt like they were, baiting our territory I'm like what are you doing <laughs> oh, no. Get, i think they're i think they have some in houston now don't they so oh how about this so we moved out here
1: three years ago and literally last year 2019 they built one about 15 minutes from the house so i mean it, it couldn't have worked out perfect and you know what it's great for and i know you're gonna hate this is it works for my recruiting of Californians to come out here and <laughs> hang out with me and I know that probably drives you we're, we're, <laughs> we're capped off there's a there, there's a housing cap on the market here in right. Houston and nobody else uh tags you are the best I appreciate you I can't wait to see you because it sounds like you're going to be on the same level as I am as far as the press yeah. level we'll be able to see you right
2: yeah just from afar I'll have a I'll have a mask and I'll, I'll wave and
1: yeah, we'll mask up, do everything right, but it'll be great to see you. I'm glad to hear that the the family's doing well and you're doing, doing well. And thank you very, very much for coming on and giving Bleacher Blums some legitimacy. <laughs> That's All right, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Great stuff from Brian McTaggart, a a knowledgeable human, but it's kind of funny to be able to talk to, you know, myself, uh, TK, Julia, Brian McTaggart, you know, some of the other beat writers and some of the other people we know around baseball, and there's still so much uncertainty around the game. We all have high hopes for it, but I thought the COVID uh, issue was really interesting and uh, some of the opting outs that we're starting to see, there may be more of those, but it was great stuff from Brian McTaggart, and uh, if you want to follow him, he's at Brian McTaggart on Twitter. And, of course, he is always going to be writing those articles on Astros.com. And that was your first introduction to him. What did you think of Brian?
0: Yeah, I thought Brian was fantastic. I mean, obviously, uh, I didn't get to chime in uh, on a few points. One was you were talking about Jordan's knees, and he's Mm -hmm. 22 years old. I think that's the old LeBron theory is Jordan 22. Not (laughs) Not Brian's place to say or your place to say, but those knees might be older than 22. And, honestly, if I was a conspiracy theorist, uh, in the world, I might think that the Astros had something to do with this, uh, current crisis. We're in because, <laughs> you did it. No because, way. because oh. Justin Verlander had an eight week recovery time. He's going to be back healthy. Granke threw over 200 innings last year. He's going to come back healthy. Altuve had to have some work done and, you know, Lance McCullers is
1: coming back. Yeah,
0: He's a little creaky. Lance McCullers gets another three months and we are going to forget a little bit about the, uh, garbage can, the trash can stuff. I mean, seriously. I, and I, and I, and I, you know, obviously got a laugh out of you with the conspiracy theory, but the (laughs) Astros are shaping up for a 60 game season to have kind of all their ducks in a row and all the horses ready to go just like most teams will from a health perspective. So I expect a, a, a great race. And, uh, and like you said about uh, Brian, I mean, growing up in Houston, living in Houston, being able to uh, kind of work in the town that you grew up in and raise your kids there is probably a special treat. Unfortunately, because of COVID-19, um, I'll be curious to see, and he did, he did touch on this. Uh, what kind of insight, I mean, he does have mm-hmm. the connections. He does have the, uh, experience, but, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of insight he'll be able to provide because at tier three, I mean, I feel like I have tier three, uh, access to the yeah, players here, here's tier based one. on what he said. <laughs> here's tier two. Uh-huh. Here's tier three. There you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, and in all honesty, like I said, I feel like I have tier three access and I'm not in perfect shape for it. Yeah. I'm not a major league baseball beat writer. So um, no, no, no. And I I love that you're laughing. I just think it's going to be a challenge. I mean, everybody's been challenged by COVID-19. He hasn't been furloughed. He still has a job. He still has to write his articles and he's still going to follow the team. But, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge to, to kind of uh, see what the landscape brings and how, how he's able to uh, share what he knows and provide some insight into the Astros team that so many of the listeners follow.
1: Yeah, and now that we've had him on, we can always bug him and try and get him back on maybe in the middle of the season 30 games in and see what his feelings and emotions are about the game and maybe retouch that uh, what Tuttle is talking about as far as how is he handling you know, writing these articles, not being able to get near these guys and get those questions. But as big as those challenges are, one thing that is not a challenge, especially for me and being on this podcast is that I've got a co-host that is not going to be furloughed <laughs> because you can't get furloughed from something you don't get paid for. So here we are with what'll Tuttle say.
0: Yeah. What'll Tuttle say today is uh, I'm back to my customer service stuff, but it's going to be an interactive what'll Tuttle say, Blummer. So be be ready. So I heard this from someone else talking about, I don't know if it's an age thing. Yes, please be ready. Um, About uh, when you see people at the grocery store now, especially wearing masks. So they're a little more incognito. You better not be
1: talking about Trader Joe's. Uh, Trader Joe's
0: is there too. You got, oh yeah, I saw that too. But (laughs) Trader Joe's, Albertsons, Whole Foods, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. When you go uh, to put your groceries into the car, and you're watching someone because you're either sitting in your car on the phone or and they look around and you look around and they put the cart like right in between your car and their car and they get in their car and drive away like like so the question really is this is the interactive so it's like dude like and and again I'm gonna be a little judgy here not often the youngest fittest people that kind of look around and go you know what That little cart stall over there—it's eight feet away. That's a little too far for my little legs to carry me. I'm just going to leave the cart here, and 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 that leads to when you pull into the spot, like you make you're like, ooh, there's an open spot kind of front, and you turn in, and there's two carts in there, (laughs) and you're like, come on, people, son of a son of a. So so the question is really, do you say something? And I'm getting better at not saying things, but I do. I'll roll down my window every once in a while and you know, some days I'm feeling good. I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, the cart stalls right there. I'm going to have trouble opening my car door. And then other days I'm like, I look at them go, really? Like, are you really going to leave the cart right there? You know, I'm, I'm turning into the Trader Joe's lady already. So we already know, we are, we already know that I'm a crotchety, grumpy old man, but man, the grocery cart thing is a, a frustrating thing, but I think it's a microcosm of what we see with people in society. And I'm curious to know, first of all, if that obviously bothers you, but like, are you the kind of person that just shakes your head and carries it with you? Or on occasion, will you reach out and say something to people in a locker room, like sarcastic kind of like, I was trying to have yeah. a nice tone, right? Like, oh, yeah, hey, that's a really nice place to leave the cart. Wow, you did you know? a great
1: job of parking that cart three <laughs> feet away from where <laughs> it was supposed to go. That's
0: right, Exactly. So yeah. I'm sure you have some thoughts.
1: Yeah. You know what? I I've, I've, I can't remember the last time I actually caught somebody in the act, but it's always funny to me because, you know, they put the two wheels up on the little curb that is right there instead of taking it, you know, 15 feet across and giving it to the, the cart attendant that's literally standing right there. That's probably the most frustrating thing is that I know that somebody is literally getting paid to take care of the carts and you can't just meet the person halfway. Uh, but uh, I have not I've not verbally, you know, I'm more of the passive aggressive guy where I'll, I'll, I'll try and show you up somehow.
0: (laughs) Well, I know how you do that, which is what I do. I'll bring my cart out, load my groceries. And then you see somebody like leave their cart right there. And I go over and get their cart and I stick it in my cart and I walk it. Yeah. That's the best way to be passive aggressive. Yeah.
1: I've done the part (laughs) where like, oh, hey man, let me just get that for you. Yeah, yeah. And, I'll, and I'll take it and go put it over. In the, and you see them go. And I'm like, yeah. no, nah, it's good. I got to do it. Dude. I'll take care of <laughs> you, man. I know it's, it's, this, is, this is highly you know, tough yeah. to get it all the way over here. Yeah. You might miss. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a little more. It's funny. It's a little more understandable here in Houston because it can get to the point where your feet are boiling or it's you're sweating too much. You're pitting out. You don't want that. But still, the way that the, a lot of the situations in uh, parking lots that I've seen here in Houston, is those things are literally in every single row. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's it's not that hard to put it back there, but uh, luckily those those people have not found their way into my line of fire, so to speak, for lack of a better There, thing.
0: There are many other folks in your line of fire, but just not the group. And again, I mean, we can, I'm sure we'll get some comments on uh, in our mailbag, uh, but we can extrapolate that into other areas of life that's that's the reason i get frustrated right so it's not just about the grocery cart it's like what are you willing to do to make your life convenient others inconvenient mm-hmm. or what are you willing to do to help people um, you know like it's, you it's habits
1: it's creating the habit you know are you exactly. the, are you the person that like actually thinks about saying, no, I'm not going to take it the extra 10 feet. Or are you the person that's like, I'm just going to get it done. I'm going to do it right. And hopefully it turns into a habit and other aspects of my life. You know, that's where I hope that uh, that trend or that habit continues is where you say, you know what, this is, and again, I don't know. I mean, is following rules cool these days or not? I mean, is that a rule that you're like, ah, screw it. It doesn't apply to me or I don't know, but it just, you know, the, the, the common decency, I think is more of the rule That's, than the actual right. rule of putting it in there. Right. You know, the expectation of, of not having that person pull in and go, I wanted
0: yeah. to park there, but that That's cart's right. there. <laughs> Discipline equals freedom. We've heard that somewhere before, yeah. you know, yeah. well, I'm going to be disciplined about doing this and guess what? I don't, I don't have a guilty conscience and I, I live a better life. I, uh, I wanted to show my little NorCal shirt, represent the giants here on this, uh, Houston <laughs> heavy podcast, but, uh, but I will give a shout out to them at the end of here. What'll Tuttle say? Here is they are also doing the cardboard cutouts that I kept referencing. That the Bundesliga is doing. Yeah, San Francisco, A's go figure too.
1: Did yeah, it's got to be guy? the Bay
0: Area. Yeah, the Bay Area yeah. is the most liberal place in the country. Anyway, season ticket holders, I I believe, get a free uh, poster initially. Oh nice, and then if. Yeah, and if you if you don't own season tickets but you want to uh, have your face on the cardboard cutouts in the stadium, then you'll uh, then you can just pay. I can't remember what it was. Somewhere between twenty five and five hundred dollars, something like that. So yeah, there
1: was a wide range. I'm not sure how you. Maybe it's closer the more shots you get on camera. But it's like Oakland yeah. was fifty to one hundred and fifty. Now my question is, for you being a Giants fan, mm-hmm. and you know maybe other teams do this around the league. How if you let's say you are the San Francisco Giants and you're selling these and you get a request for a a cardboard cutout and i want to put my dodgers hat on or my dodgers jersey on how do you feel about that
0: can i do that well so me personally i'm you know i'm it's a free country baby you know money talks like if you if you want the
1: dodgers just the dodgers called him up and said i want 15,000 cardboard cutouts with dodgers yeah, yeah. uniforms
0: Yeah. So again, I, yeah, so that's, that would be a challenge. I mean, it's a great, it's a great point. I think the reason they, they limited it to season ticket holders, which I think is a great idea, which is a great idea is just to avoid exactly that. I mean, I don't think they just went (laughs) at this willy nilly. I mean, I, I believe, yeah, if you want to fill the uh, stadium, I guess, with Dodger cutouts, then, you know, you're paying for that, you know, the San Francisco Giants payroll, like who gets the last yeah, lap? Their, their I Their money know. is as green as anybody's. That's right. But to your point, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be able to oust the season ticket holders, especially since the season ticket holders are free. If you've been a season ticket holder for more than, you know, five years or something like that, you're, they're going to make a cutout of you or for you. So I think that's a, it's a really nice um, it's a really nice gesture for one, An but it's all, yeah. yeah, but it's, you know, it's kind of what we all try to do, um, with our gyms, like our CrossFit gyms that are independently owned. I think a lot of people try to prepay their membership for three to six months so yeah. that they could keep the coaches and keep the programming and just, you're going to get it docked every month. So if the season ticket holders don't want their money back and there's going to be a 60 game season, they've already spent the, you know, 500 to, you know. Whatever it is, twenty five hundred, you know, twenty five dollars to twenty five hundred dollars, excuse me, for their season tickets. Why not give them a cardboard cutout in the stands?
1: Yeah, no, I like it, and it, it'll be a lot of fun for us actually. I think as broadcasters to have some of those cutaway shots, or you know, directors are going to have a, <laughs> a blast with you know, after a guy hits home run, they're going to zoom in on uh, a cardboard cutout of somebody. Yeah, exactly. Somebody <laughs> set up like that yeah. cheering, so uh, it, it will open itself up for a little more commentary, I would
0: imagine too. Well, and I think that it would be it would be really cool to be able to kind of send a picture of yourself like each game. Like each game's a little oh, bit wow. different. Like, you know, take a selfie, send it in. Or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you can have all the emotions. Then, then we're getting a little crazy, right?
1: No, that's good. We <laughs> should patent this. You heard it here first on Bleacher Blumps. Put up monitors. Oh, Put up yeah. little monitors and then we can Zoom watch the game from our homes. But if if you're one of the unlucky bastards with their their screen down the left field line that gets tanked by a foul ball and your screen goes out – tough break man <laughs> you
0: gotta buy a new screen yeah,
1: or buy a new monitor some out there. guy
0: buys the big monitor and sits right in front of you <laughs> which is what happens at the game like hey can you down in front of your big monitor <laughs> the big monitor is blocked by the little monitor hey my kid's <laughs> trying to watch the game sit down like that's exactly right you start buying monitors some guy's buying a 60 inch Just flat screen mm-hmm. and put it right in front
1: Dude, Down that would be outstanding. Oh my gosh, that's well, funny. Oh, we okay. the rails You got me crying here. a little bit. That was good.
0: Off the rails. That's what I'll say. All right, so Blum's Blast is coming up, right?
1: And, and here, I, I got to be somber about this too, even though you finished oh. strongly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish mine a little bit uh, with a question for you. Uh, but uh, Blum's Blast is going to be a little bit tempered because I think there's an underlying theme, and especially after the conversation we had with Brian McTaggart, and if you've been listening or watching this podcast, you, you understand that, yes, we are excited about baseball. But at the same time, I think one of the things that is starting to pop up with the increase in positive cases, the increase in hospitalizations and things like that, and some of the statistics that are literally coming out about COVID-19 have kind of tempered that a little bit because I think about baseball and I think the game is great, love it want to watch it, want to work for it, want everybody else to enjoy it. But at the same time, what is that risk? And and now players, I think we're understanding that players are the ones taking the most risk. Uh, I think in the NBA, in the bubble therein, uh, hearing some of the comments from Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, I thought it was very interesting that he said that we've set up this bubble. We're going to put players in it. We're going to expect them to adhere to the rules. But I'm going to leave every once in a while if I have to or if I want to. And I just don't see that as being fair. And and that's what really kind of sparked the idea of the players are making this choice and you can talk all you want about the money that they're making or the perks of the job or what this means towards their career or their legacy. But these guys are still people and still – Uh, you know, human beings that qualify into that, what do we have, you know, 300 million people in this country or whatever it is, they still qualify as being a, you know, a United States citizen or wherever they are in the world. So they're still people, they're just exceptional at playing baseball and the expectation on them for taking that risk and going and playing for a paycheck, no matter how big it is, is still going to be a risk. And that's where I am kind of tempered in the idea of being excited about this because I know at a moment's notice this COVID-19 could pull the plug on what could be a great season or an interesting season or a fun season. So the Ryan Zimmermans and the uh, the Ian Desmonds who make these pleas and said, explained why they're opting out of the season. It's kind of interesting to me that Ian Desmond had to write such an eloquent, perfectly worded statement to say why he's not playing. It should be an understanding that if somebody does opt out, we understand why and there shouldn't be a question why they're opting out. Um, but the thing that I would miss the most and the thing I'm looking forward to the most this season is getting back on air and reconnecting with fans across uh, you know, the platform that I've been able to have. This podcast has been great. The game has brought me so much, but the part I'm really looking forward to is hanging out with my boy TK and hanging out with Julia and talking some baseball. So hopefully that happens, but I just want everybody to understand why these players are opting out investigate research, understand a little bit more and then if and when the season starts we'll be super excited about it but until then I'm going to temper it a little bit so that's just a little bit of the blums blast. I think you feel a little bit the same way because we talked about it off uh, off camera I guess or off the podcast you know what about the players you know am, am I crazy in thinking that or do you feel the same way about uh, trying to understand why these players might opt out, even though the money is so good or not as good as they had hoped?
0: You know, it's a, it's a great question. And I think what I try to do, I, I, I guess, you know, as I've already judged the, uh, the grocery store folks today, um, is not to be as judgmental about certain things, specifically related to um, things that you don't understand or circumstances that aren't related to you. Meaning, um, in our neighborhood, we have 10 homes in the cul-de-sac. We have two families that we haven't seen for the entire COVID-19 crisis. Wow. Like every once in a while, you see their little kids like peek oh, out of the, you know, like, oh, what's going on out there? Whereas, you know, our, my kids are out walking the dog. My kids are riding, you know, skateboards in the cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. The neighbor kids are out. And so I'm trying not to be judgmental. I mean, everybody has a different risk factor, whether it's, you know, if somebody said your exactly. kid's an asthmatic, they're high risk or grandma lives with them and she's high risk. I mean, that's a personal decision. And I think that's where we definitely agree. That personal decision shouldn't be judged. It doesn't matter how much money you're making. I mean, if somebody told you that your kids were in danger, what would you do? You'd remove them from harm's way. It doesn't matter if it's this invisible killer. And I think maybe we make light of it sometimes, On this podcast, because we're talking about tempering, you know, common sense and science with like the cabin fever and the actual urge to be social and see people. And, you know, those two things can kind of exist in in different planes. But when those planes start to cross or there's no way to separate them, then what do you do? What's the decision you make? And everybody's going to make a different decision. And I think I brought this up last podcast, but I, li- I was listening to another podcast with a gentleman who wrote a book about the Spanish flu in 1918, mm-hmm. but um, he quoted somebody else. So this just goes on and on. But he quoted a guy saying, the only thing we learn from history is that we learn nothing from history. And I think that, you know, to me, that just means right now we have no, you know, we really have no idea. We don't know when the next pandemic's coming. We don't know how we're going to uh, venture out of this. And until that happens, I'm certainly not going to be judgmental and um, assume that I know what the right thing to do is for not only myself, but certainly for other people, regardless of whether they're leaving a million dollars on the table or not.
1: Yep. And that's the tough call that baseball has to make right now. It does feel a little bit at sometimes like they're forcing the issue, but uh, they're trying to do it for the greater good of the game and understanding that people out there want to watch live sports. Tuttle has talked about it. I've talked about it. Brian McTaggart talked about it. We want to see live sports. We need need that uh, adrenaline rush. We need that distraction. And hopefully baseball is able to bring it. Now, this weekend is going to be July 4th. And I'm going to end Bleacher Blums with this question because it's one of the things that happens on July 4th that absolutely grosses me out every single time I see it. The hot dog eating contest. Yeah. Good God. I don't know if you've ever like sat down and actually watched one of these scenes, but uh, dude, Joey Chestnut apparently is going to do this thing via zoom or something or, or somehow virtually have a hot dog eating contest. I'm not going to watch because it's hard enough that, you know, I, the one time I did watch it, it was frigging gross, man. The dip in the hot dog, the, bleh, bleh, and the hot dog. Just I mean, whatever. <laughs> are you going to, have you watched it? Are you a, are you a hot dog eating contest? Uh, aficionado,
0: watcher? I'm not. You know, it's funny. uh, McTaggart brought up the the fact that he's been watching Cornhole because it's a live (laughs) event. I mean, I have not stooped to the level of watching Cornhole or watching a hot dog eating contest. It's not maybe as uh, egregious as, you know, you're saying uh, in terms of, like, not liking hot dogs and watching them dip it in water. It's just, you know, to me, it's not really a sport. It's kind of gross, and I just – I don't know. I've, I've passed the days of wanting to eat like that. I think when my brother and I used to go to McDonald's when I was a kid and you have a brother that's close <laughs> in age, it was like my mom would, you know, all right, order what you want. I'm like, all right, I want a uh, two big Macs, a uh, quarter pounder, large fry. And then my brother would be like, I want two big Macs, quarter pounder cheeseburger. I'm like, all right, I want another cheeseburger. Like we were trying to eat as much Gotta as we could. Other,
1: yeah. Yeah. It
0: turned into a contest. My brother that's, and I
1: would do that with the little Caesars square pizzas. Oh, Remember those things? Yeah. I We'd do. each eat one ourselves. We just sit there <laughs> staring at each other. Like, why did we do that? Yeah,
0: oh. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know, you leave a crust and then he doesn't leave a crust. Yeah. So you're like, you pick up the crust. You're like, I don't know. That's gotta be a young man's thing, but yeah. Well, hey, eating contests. Hey, hello. Hey, girl. <laughs>
1: why are you apologizing? You just enhanced our podcast. Bit. That's
0: right. And we'll have, we'll have Kevin keep that in. Yes. Um, so, so to your point, I mean, it's it's not something I'm going to be watching. And I, I thought you were going to bring up fireworks again. We've talked uh, pretty extensively about fireworks on here. Well, I'm going like, to
1: get the biggest box I can today. Trust me.
0: Well, Houston, Texas, have at it. Here, you got to like sneak it in, you know, sneak it into the state, and then hope it's uh, hope it even goes off. I guess. But uh, yeah, they we have all the.
1: Some to you. Do you think they'd actually get that across the borders?
0: I don't know. It's not really that important to me because I don't want to upset <laughs> my neighbors. I guess I'll let them upset me. Um, All
1: right, hey babe, you got anything for us? As long as you're here, we're we're about to finish the podcast. We're just we're just closing oh, things up. Ask off, talking. ask
0: ask Corey if she's going to watch the uh, hot dog eating contest. Are, are
1: you into the hot dog eating contest?
0: No, that's disgusting. It's July fourth,
1: yeah. and Joey Chestnut's going to go for another championship. Virtually, how are you not concerned about this? What
0: louder? Come here. Yes. They what? dip it in, the <laughs> it in the water. She's right here. I hope you can hear. Yeah, we can. Here, hear. Hold on. Oh. What babe? It's gross how they dip the hot dog in water.
1: Nobody yeah. likes dipping their hot dogs. It's not good. <laughs> it's good. And for a cameo.
0: And honestly, you know, eating two or three hot dogs can't be as gross as eating like 40 hot dogs or whatever he eats. Like, I've, I don't think I've eaten 40 hot dogs in the last five years. Yeah, I was going to say in he's, a lifetime. He's going to eat 40 hot dogs in about five minutes. I mean, come on. No, I don't that's know. Not it's not good. It's gross. So. All right.
1: I think we're going to finish this thing <laughs> up, dude. We've we, we <laughs> we finished with, in a ball of flames right here. <laughs> We've, We've gone off running. the rails, folks.
0: That's all so, right. Go
1: ahead and lock this thing up, man.
0: Well, I was just going to tell you, so, um, we do have a couple of Bleacher Blum, uh, or yeah, Bleacher Blum's, uh, mailbag questions. I think we're up to like three or four or five questions. So maybe we'll address those next time. So folks, if you do have a sincere question, I know one of them was, Hey, can we get an autograph? And I was like, uh, that's probably not a legitimate mailbag question. Somebody wants to send an (laughs) autograph to them, but there are some actual real good questions in there, um, covering, uh. I don't know, somebody mentioned and I'll, and I'll just tease it for next time. Somebody asked about the uh, the way soccer works with players on loan and they specifically brought up Forrest Whitley and I thought it might be a oh. question for McTaggart, but we didn't have time. Where, you know, a guy that hasn't made it to the big leagues but needs some seasoning, if the Astros would keep its rights but then let him, you know, another team wanted him to be their fifth starter or something. Yeah, yeah, like players on loan. So anyway, it was an interesting question. We'll get into that next time in the mailbag. Um, I wanted to let everybody out there. Uh, I got a lot of questions from Blummer and some other friends of mine that are into fitness. Did I do Memorial Day MRF on Memorial Day? I did not because of COVID. So we're doing it on the 4th of July. I will let you know how that goes next time. 20 pound weighted vest. What? Mile run. 100. Yeah. 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, another mile run. It's going to take me at least an hour. Um, And uh, and we're going to- Hey, we're going to, we're going to, you know, it's taken one for the country, right? And we're going to do our best to, uh, um, you know, at least, I don't know, it's not a, it's not a mimic, but it's uh, to show our appreciation for the folks can, yeah. that have, exactly, that have uh, sacrificed and given so much for this country, especially on Independence Day. So Memorial Day Murph got moved to 4th uh, of July. And so I'll be doing that on Saturday morning and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, again, that leads us to Obviously, the shout-out to our first responders, healthcare workers, military, all those folks out there. Uh, We greatly appreciate you, and we will show our appreciation as much as we can. We voice our appreciation on here, and I will be thinking about you on Saturday when I do the crazy workout. Yeah, You're
1: you're going beast mode, man. I'll be cheering for you. Take a little bit of video so we can fire it up there, too. Everything sounds Partially doable, but the hundred pull-ups, man, trying to pull this corpse up and down a hundred times is not uh, is not going to happen. I, I would be if you narrowed it down. This corpse, yeah, this is what it's turning into. Is just uh, uh, was it Tales from the Crypt? Remember that, that Ooh, skeleton yeah. that would pop up? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that's how mine feels after about ten pull-ups. But uh, get it done. Uh, get after it like we always say. We do appreciate everybody out there on the front lines, and of course, all the healthcare workers that are going through uh, this little bump, in, little bump, this huge bump in the the COVID crisis. Hang in there, stay tough. We appreciate you. We appreciate everybody listening. Again, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart. Most podcast uh, platforms and of course you can go to bleacherblums.com or you can find us on youtube at the social nostra network and that is going to do it for this episode 77 i believe yeah, yeah Sef- 77 77 i think so rolling sevens and we're done so i want you to remember two things get after it but most of all believe it
0: and keep your masks handy
1: yes